everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Tonight's show is presented by Mortgage CS. Check out MortgageCS.com slash PHLY to start your home buying process today. Company NMLS ID number 1464766. Everywhere you look, there's a heart. Uh, Full house tonight. (laughs) I had to look up the full house lyrics to do the joke. Uh, Anyway, so I am joined, of course, by Philadelphia's number one Flyers beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor. I am joined by Broad Street Hockey's home. Kelly Hinkle, and last but certainly not least, J.P. Zapata. Um, what the hell happened in tonight's... Not like That was a... That sure was a hockey game. I, was it? A debatable. The most interesting part of the game, um, I, the last couple of minutes when the Flyers were doing the Brandon Manning try-hard thing. Yeah. Like, no let's no make one it, wants to get benched. Let's, no. make it, make, let's make it look like we really tried and like maybe try to start a fight or something. Uh, we'll get to the game and uh, some other things in a minute, but I guess we should... We should go back to the beginning and start with... Uh, we've done a post-game since then, but we haven't had everyone together. Charlie was at Briere's uh, press availability the other day. There has not been a full PHLY Flyers show on the topic, but now's probably as good a time as any. We have a lot of people here to discuss it. The I have it in the outline as Carter Hart stuff. It's a lot worse than stuff, but it sucks to have to talk about... Um, I like talking about stupid hockey shit. Me too. I like making a lot of jokes during a show. This does not lend itself to that. The very serious situation going on with the Philadelphia Flyers, with this Hockey Canada. Now, uh, no no longer an investigation. It's going to be well, more we'll than that. S- we'll see. I, 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 I do want to make it clear that nothing has been, you know, nothing has been done yet. All we know for now, for sure, is that Carter Hart is on an indefinite leave of absence, and there was a report that has not been denied by the Globe and Mail, which is a a major paper up in Canada, that five players uh, from the 2018 Canadian World Juniors team will be asked to surrender, um, presumably to face charges on sexual assault. There are five players that have been identified as getting indefinite leaves of absence from their respective Four teams. from the NHL. And uh, then Alex Fermentin, who was a former Ottawa senator who has been playing overseas basically yeah. ever since this whole thing dropped. And he was given permission to go back to Canada for an undisclosed reason. We don't know for sure what this is, but it's not that difficult to read between the lines That's, here. Yeah. Charlie's doing the responsible journalistic yeah. thing. Most people have just connected the dots. But no, that is what Charlie's saying is true. And we probably should preface everything with that for our own sake. Yeah. Uh, but it is a serious situation here. We're going to have to talk about it in the hockey context, though. Like, yes. We are a show that covers the Flyers and... Clearly, there's bigger shit going on in the world than like, oh, well, how does this affect the salary? Like, clearly. But like, there's also bigger shit going on in the world constantly. And I'm sitting here and I talk about hockey, you You know, can hold two thoughts in your head. Like this thing is really, really serious and bad. Also, it affects the Philadelphia Flyers hockey team one way or another. It affects them Um, the way it's affecting them currently is. 
they effectively have one goalie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they have. Hey, hey, Cal Peterson is a goalie. Yeah, put Cam some respect on his name. He played in the NHL hey, once. Cal before. Peterson does, in fact, own the pads. He and when you look around the league, that is a high bar. Mm. Uh, if you own the pads, you have a job for life. But we've talked. It's. It's Airson's net right now. Yes. Unless there's a back-to-back situation, unless there is an obvious we have to start the backup situation, uh, it's Airson. So I guess let's start with him. How do you see this? Like, is this a critical opportunity? Opportunity is a shit word for this, but it's an opportunity for him. Yeah. It's critical. Uh, Danny Breer in the press conference, you know, said Sam's our number one, and we yeah. believe he's a number one. Also said... It's important not to put huge pressure on him because he is, you know, he's was he got thirty starts in the league, less maybe, like he's thirty one. Yeah, he's he's under forty. Under Mm forty, I believe thirty one starts, thirty five appearances going into tonight. So I guess that's now thirty six and thirty two. Is this like I don't want to say make or break, but how much stock are you putting on what we see from Erickson? now through as long as he's the clear-cut number one guy. I mean, it is make or break, really, because we've been asking ourselves, okay, does this guy make Carter Hart expendable outside of all of this? And we didn't really know. We were kind of guessing, like, well, maybe he does because he's looked pretty good, but he hasn't played all that many games. We don't know for sure. And we're going to find out real quick if this guy is going to be a capable NHL starter for a team that has aims on starting to compete for a Stanley Cup in a few years. And if he does not, then the Flyers are going to have to figure out some shit real quick because there's not really anything else right now. Like, they've got Kozlov in Russia, right? But who knows when he can come and if he'll be good when he gets here because goalies don't make any sense. You never know what you're going to get. But right now, it's him and Cal Peterson. So if... Erson can't do it, then it's kind of a problem. So, yeah. Oh, man, Kelly, you're making us all worried here. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> no, but it's true. Like, and it's funny because we talked about before, like, with Erson, the more we see from him, the more reps he gets in between the pipes, the more, we're gonna, the more he excels, and he definitely flourishes under that role as well. Now, even, like, to, like this r- recently, it's been tough. Obviously, we've been dealing with injuries we've been dealing with obviously Owen Tippett being out as well the amount of games too but even like tonight you see he sees 18 shots 15 saves like that's it's tough for him tonight but he's trying to win he's trying to win those games here for the Flyers he's doing the best he can and it is a tough situation to be excelled in but like we're gonna find a lot about Sam Merson as well I, I think tonight too the numbers look bad however Two of the three goals were on really weird deflections. And again, you know, bringing this back to the conversation I was having with you guys all last week Mm -hmm. when the conversation was Hart versus Erson. And the point I made is that, look, I'm not saying Hart's playing great, but I do think that people are in a mindset where everything like they're not cutting Hart any slack at all for when things go against him because they're so in love with Arison. Yeah. Now Hart is gone for the foreseeable future, maybe forever, we'll see. Now suddenly people are going to look at Arison differently. Yeah. Because Arison is no longer the shiny new toy. Like I've always talked about in Philadelphia, Philadelphians love the backup quarterback. As long as the backup quarterback has even like a modicum of potential, they love the backup quarterback because they know the guy who starts. They know that they're frustrated with him because he's not living up to all their expectations. So then they put all of their hopes on the backup because he's something new. 
Erickson got to be that for a while when Hart went through a dip, especially after uh, after the Christmas break, after he came back from the, that illness that he had. Hart went through a dip. Erickson was playing really well. It was very easy for people to say, man, Erickson's so much better. He's our real number one because he wasn't. It was easy to sit, to make those comments and make those jokes because you knew deep down that he wasn't the number one and he didn't have the, the pressure of being the number one. Now, suddenly, he is that guy. And I guarantee you what's going to happen is people are going to turn on Arison too, because this is what people in Philadelphia do. Oh, it's definitely <laughs> the um, like the curse of expectations yes, for yes, the goaltender. Exactly. Before, it was like, okay, well, Carter Hart is like, no okay. one's... No one's arguing that he's like the number one. Like, and no matter what, it was, oh, yeah, well, guess what's going to happen day one of the playoffs? 79 is going to be in net. Right. And now it was, oh, but Harrison's great. This is fun. We have this other thing. Right. And now he's not this other thing. He's the only thing. He's the only thing. And yeah. I do think people are going to change their expectations on him at least a little bit. And that might, we might, might start seeing a little more, yeah, well, you know, I guess he didn't have a shot on a lot of them, but also it's the goalie's job to stop the puck. Exactly. And exactly. that's true. Like, that is true. He's given up, what, eight, nine, ten, eleven 11 goals in the last three games? That's not awesome. Not great. Uh, that's not real good. His last three games was... Recency bias, baby. 879, 789, and tonight, uh, 824. Not having the best run of it by the numbers, but... I don't think by I'm the eye, seeing, I don't think by the eye test he's been bad. No, that's I'm but not there, but seeing. There, but there are a lot of people who will just look at the numbers who maybe didn't even watch the game yeah. and just say, "Oh, Arison sucks." You know, clearly he's he does, he's not up to it. He don't got it. I would like people to, given the way the situation has played out and the way that Arison is going to essentially get you know sink or swim, bud, just give it time. Like let him have a large sample size of showing what he can do as the number one before we dismiss him as quickly as we pumped him up. I think he's going to get, considering the circumstance we're in now, I think at least for the immediate future, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt from people. I hope so. Because we have the, you know, he's not supposed to be in this role. Uh, the team in front of him has dipped recently. Well, bet. It's not the, I mean, yeah. we say that, but they gave up what, 24 shots? Like, they didn't have 20 shots. Fewer than that. They, I think they, they were that was 17, like 17 shots. 17 yeah. shots they gave up. That's, they didn't have 20 shots tonight. Like, they are still really limiting the opponent's opportunities. They're not creating a ton of opportunities for themselves, uh, even with, like, the shot totals that they're putting up. It's... They said that I like. I think Bush on the broadcast was like, I mean, they're not generating any great A's. They have all these shots, but like, eh. Yeah. But yeah. they are He's still right. playing. I don't want to say great defense because the opportunities they give up are like, and eh, it's a two on zero down low. They're blocking a lot of shots. <laughs> yeah, they're blocking yeah. a ton of shots. They're keeping teams to the outside for the most part. Yeah. It just seems as if now every breakdown is oh, it's it's not a breakdown. It's broken. Well, and and that's the thing we're starting to see a lot of the weird hockey thing happens where we saw it twice tonight where you're not playing terribly, but some weird fluky shit happens. Yeah. And now you're down three, nothing because two pucks went yeah. off your players in very strange ways and ended up in the back of the net. Like these are the kinds of things that for a while there, the flyers were getting yes. those kinds of breaks exactly. and now they're not. And it's sort of like, Hockey is just, you know what I mean? No, it's, it's basically like, pinball it's out so there. Good. Like, yeah, but it's it's just like, what like what do you even do about yeah, that? Yeah, ho hockey is hockeying right now. Right, Because is, I don't yeah. think, like, I do not think the Flyers played well tonight. 
I don't think Detroit played well either. Mm-hmm. I think this Not was just generally no. speaking a poorly it's played a hockey game. game. That was, somebody happened to win. It was a poorly yeah. played hockey game from both sides. Now that said, this is four in regulation, uh, four straight regulation losses for the Flyers. That is a season high. They lost four in a row earlier in the year, but there's an overtime in there. There's a shootout in there. This is the first time they've gone four straight, no points. No points. Yeah. Three of those games. I mean, two of them we can actually say I thought they were pretty damn good but happened to lose because the other team has legitimately the MVP. Yeah. Like Kucherov or McKinnon, one of them's going to win the Hart Trophy. Um, they're, they're both probably going to be nominees. Yeah, <laughs> one of them's winning. Um, Ottawa, they straight up sucked. Yeah, that was a bad game. Tonight was somewhere closer to Ottawa, but more in the middle. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't think it was as bad as the Ottawa game. And the Ottawa game, they could have won because they just got they got the bounces. Because Ottawa's in that, not good. They yeah. got the bounces in that game. They they jump out to a lead, but I thought on the whole, they played like trash. This game, I'm not gonna go so far as to say I felt like they they played like trash. They outshot, they outchanced the Red Wings. But what Bush said on the broadcast I thought was very um was very insightful, let's say. They had the puck a lot. They took a lot of shots. It just seemed like when they had the opportunity to make that one extra play that would turn a shot from being relatively easily stoppable into, hey, this might actually go in, they never made that play. We were specifically uh, the—I think it was maybe late second, early third— Travis Sanheim's bringing the puck in. They make a play through the neutral zone, gain the zone. It's like— Slow developing three on two. Suddenly there's someone driving to the net. Doesn't really get there. And Sanheim just ends up kind of throwing one from yeah. the top of yeah. the circle. And it was like, man, I, I, sometimes you just have to make a high-skill high, high skill play. Yeah. Yeah. And there yeah. was just no chance it of anyone doing there. that tonight. There was no spark in so this game. So with, with the break approaching, they have one more game. They play Saturday afternoon against Boston. If they play like this, it's going to be 100 to fucking zero. Um, Is this... Do you think they're trending down? Or do they just need to get to the break? Because every time I've come in these post games after disappointing stretches of hockey, I've been like, well, now it's all about how they respond. And every single time this year so far, they have bounced back and responded well. We also remember John Tortorella a couple weeks ago saying, yeah, you don't know what you have till late January. Well, if that's the case, late January ain't going so well. Uh, like, do we think this is a bigger cause for concern, or it's like they just need to get through Saturday, have these like eight days or whatever they have off, and then you expect them to regroup, reset? What do we think is going to happen from here? I mean, I, I think that this team is waiting for the break. I mean, you kind of watch them play, and it's not like they're playing bad. But at a certain point, you watch them, it does feel like, yeah, they look a little bit tired. So I kind of want to see how they look coming out of the break and see what they look like with some fresh legs. Because I do feel like right now, I mean, with everything that's been going on, they definitely have to be hearing what's going off the ice as well. Of course. And I think they just need to get to the break, cool off, and come back out, and then we'll see what they look like coming out of the break. It has been a... I know, like, we expect the players to be video game characters not real humans <laughs> and like well the off the ice but like 
the Cutter Gauthier shit, which bleeds yeah. over to, yo, you know who they're all still friends with? I bet Kevin Hayes. Like that whole thing. Yeah. Like that I, whole. I, I can confirm they are. Yeah. Like that whole situation. <laughs> he doesn't go from just like Seriously. they have three <laughs> days off and he's calling the whole team, be like, hey, what are you up to, guys? Yeah. To like them not talking anymore. Yeah. You no. know? Like that whole situation, which was a, a circus basically around the team. And then the Carter Hart situation, a much more serious but also fucking circus around the team yeah. it's something that's weighing on them and and, and it's very personal that they, yeah like it's, it's personal yes. in a way that the go the gautier thing in the in the team aspect of it they never like, met the guy they never met the guy they didn't know him and if anything they got a new buddy in jamie yeah. drysdale it was actually kind of exciting for them even though it made the flyers the center of the hockey world because it was such a wild turn of events and so out of nowhere to see you know this hey this guy that just dominated world juniors now he's now he's somewhere else it was a big story but i don't think it jarred them the same way that that this and again we'll see how this plays out but like this is a guy who they're friends with they they know him or they thought they knew him and now you're seeing this happen i'm sure it's got a way on these guys it has to Oh, and that's like all these things like Jamie Drysdale coming in, all this stuff that has happened around the team. And you have to believe, I mean, no one at this point in the season is healthy. It's right. hockey. How hurt is this team? So I've heard that they're pretty banged up. Oh, so they lost Owen Tippett. Like, I would not be surprised one. if that's playing a role here in terms of their dip in quality of play. I've heard that there's a lot of guys on this team that are are pretty beat up just based on like what this team's identity was and who was standing out so much for a majority like the spark plug of this team the heartbeat of this team is travis connecting where's he been mm. well does he just all of a sudden suck i doubt it Seems if i was to guess yes. i would guess there's something no matter how serious it is like maybe it's just a bad bruise maybe it's something that's going to need surgery when the season you never know we know he's a battle like, injury too yeah he doesn't seem healthy like there's a mm. bunch of guys like losing owen Tippett seems like it took a ton of wind out of this team's yeah. sails because sure yeah. he was really sparking them a dude who like we talked when he's at the height of his game can take over shifts, yeah. can take over a period, he, can he be can the best have, player he, he on the ice. He can have a star ice. level yeah. impact when he's at his best. That's now gone, and suddenly, like, they, oh, they can't score again. Well, not shocking, but I would not be surprised. Like, just watching the way they're playing, they got some dudes who really need this break, right? Yes. I mean, the schedule's been rough this month. It has I been. Mean, for, it's been a demanding schedule. Yeah, so it wouldn't surprise me if, A, this team wins games by outworking its opponents. So, I mean... They're probably pretty fucking tired after all of yeah. these games and all yeah. of those wins. Guys are probably hurt, like Charlie said. They're probably mentally in Cabo or wherever they're going. So, like, it it looks kind of bleak right now, but, like, JP, like, I'm not willing to say that the good is done until we get out of this break and we see what guys look like after a week off. Owen oh, Tibbet comes back, hopefully, Konechny's rested. Like, maybe things can pick back up to where they were a couple of weeks ago. It's a minor rough patch. Minor rough patch. That's, I think it's definitely, like, it's just as likely things come back as they, like, it's very possible. Yes. I get the feeling, because they've exceeded expectations to this point, the, um, 
I mean, the Twitter contingent is usually negative, but a lot of people are already preparing for like Doomsday. Right. Like, and we're picking 13th. Like, yeah. that, uh, and we missed the oh, playoffs. You really like winning those games in January, didn't yeah. you? I, yes, I, I did, I'm, actually. It was fun. I'm shocked that Twitter is going crazy. It's kind <laughs> it's of like just, a default motion. It is. Uh, so, only one game left, and it is a home game, and it's the Mark Recchi Big. This, I know Hanks wants to go to this game on Saturday. Uh, if you want to go, the best way to do it is with Game Time, baby. Uh, buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress of Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Yeah, you want to go to that uh, at matinee Saturday? Flyers, Bruins, Mark Recchi Hall of Fame. Boom, Mark Recchi. Game Time. Yeah, get your Game <laughs> Time Mark tickets. I, I, I think the bummer, the bummer, though, about this yeah. game, because you just spent about 30 plus seconds talking about the fact they're playing the Bruins on Saturday. The bummer about this game is that you really didn't want them to go into the break on a five game losing streak. And this was the game that you thought they could win because it's going to be tough to beat a Bruins team that has the most points in the Eastern conference and who just, they just seem like they kick the crap out of the flyers on a regular basis. Wouldn't it be so flyers for them to win on Saturday? I was thinking like they are going to win three to one on Saturday and I am going to be, uh, unhinged on post game. Perfect. It's gonna. I'm gonna be back on the parade route, man. Like it's, <laughs> exactly. I, I, exactly. We're back. It would be the most flyer shit to play this it way. Would. And it's like, okay. They're hurt. They just need to get to the break, and they just give you one last. Yeah. Oh, win this one for torts or something. <laughs> I mean, look. If there's one coach that can yeah. scare this team to death enough <laughs> to to go out there and kick yeah. the crap out of Boston, it's probably John Tortorella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, just go beat the team with the set seven thirteen points percent. Like, oh, okay, coach. (laughs) (laughs) We will. You got it. Like, I just speaking of torts. um, So I guess we'll get to. I mean, the big news, man. I thought this was going to fix all the problems. (laughs) Twelve forward, six defensemen. Yep. Well, well, the thing is, though, and I'm seeing now this in in our comment section. It's that it's not the right twelve. No, no, it's not Uh that. It's that no. The reason why they lost is because they ran with eleven seven for so long Uh, that now everyone's gas. So it's still the eleven seven's fault. It's always the eleven seven. The it's always the eleven seven's fault. <laughs> I do not think the eleven seven is that big of a deal. I do not think this is the reason why the Flyers are failing <laughs> why so to sleepy. the degree that people seem to are convinced that this is like the worst idea in history. I, I think, think it's wild. I think we have a merch idea on our hands, guys. I don't know about <laughs> you guys. I don't love the eleven seven, but I I think the idea that it is like the scourge of our existence is batshit. I mean, it's it's logical. I mean, right now your defense are playing really well. So, like, who are you going to sit? And I mean, it, it's logical to me. Let's they start with the line today, that's, which was interesting. Yeah. That's what I want to get to with this. Is uh, I think there's been a little chatter, like. Would anyone miss Ristolainen in the way he's been playing? And like, I think he's just played a really, 
I don't want to say subtle, but just understated game to this. Like, yeah. I asked Charlie, where the hell have all the hits gone? He's been fine. Uh, I think he's, he's been, been fine. mostly fine the last game. He was bad. Uh, he was oh, not yeah. good. Actively No, he was yeah. rough against and Tampa. in a situation where you've lost three in a row, the coach probably wants to normalize the lineup. He goes, okay, here's my chance to do it. We keep asking, well, which defenseman deserves to sit? One of them finally gave you an answer to the question. Right. Is that? Do you think this is a one-game thing? Maybe they go back to a rotation. I don't know. I, I'm not gonna not gonna say I know because I don't. I cannot. And th- he listens. Th- thankfully, I cannot put myself in the head of John Tortorella. That would be a terrifying, <laughs> terrifying thought. It might be fun. I don't know. My <laughs> assumption is that they are still going to be using 11-7 a fair amount because based on the answers that Danny Briere gave me yesterday when I pushed him on the 11-7 thing, he more or less said what I've been saying, which is, "Who are we going to sit? Everybody's playing well, and it's not even the fact that everyone's playing well." Like. Okay, you're obviously not going to sit Travis Sanheim. He's your number one. You're not sitting Drysdale and York because you need to develop these guys. You might be trading Walker and Sealer, so you're not going to sit them either. Zamula is finally getting going. So that really only leaves Risto. So maybe it's Risto who has to be the guy who sits, but they like Risto. Risto was bad against Tampa, but I think for the most part this year, Risto has been good. So I don't think the solution here is to staple Risto line into the bench until the trade deadline. I think the solution is they're going to go 11-7 quite a lot until the trade deadline, until one of these guys gets moved. But like out of those like bottom six forwards, I guess like those bottom three forwards, like who's deserving of those mids consistently when not the defensive Nick Delorier. Well? <laughs> <laughs> like bringing him in does not well, I guess do anything to improve the roster. I mean, he did he what he's supposed to do. He, he fought, fought a guy, but yeah. like the team needed a wake-up call, and he's then the only team it to respond. Uh, you know, that's not his fault. He did his right. thing. You know, like if Max Talbot does the shh and the team doesn't come back and score the three goals, no one ever remembers the shush. But like they responded. They sure did. But unfortunately, <laughs> like, he did. Like D'Lo did his part. It was just kind of everyone else. But no, I mean that is kind of when they go to the twelve forwards, and it's like. Yeah, well, a, a, a few of them don't do much. I know we've been piling on Delorier the last few weeks because, like, start of the season, we went, listen, I personally don't know if he belongs in the lineup every night, but he's playing real well. Yeah. That has not been the case lately. No. Someone else who's not playing well, though, that uh, I think maybe sometimes we give a pass to because we like him, Scott Lawton, man. No, man. Mm. he's It's been rough. Three penalties tonight. Oh, he had the one at the end. end. That doesn't really count. Which was just a frustration. Yeah, Yeah, that doesn't really count. But the the, the two he had in the beginning, the two tripping penalties that were completely unnecessary when the game is still a game, that was exactly, and especially coming after, because when we interviewed Tortorella after the Tampa game, and there were a lot of things that Tortorella could have pointed to as the reason for that loss. But the one he zeroed in on more than anything was, look, this Tampa team is not as deep as they used to be, but if you give them power plays, they can lean on their stars, and we gave them power plays with unnecessary penalties. And for Lawton to come out the game right after that and take two completely unnecessary penalties, it was an extremely bad look. Like, uh, I hate to speak in absolutes, but anytime you take a penalty in the offensive zone, I want to strangle you. Like, I just, like, what is the reason for this? I get very upset about it. But, yeah, just the unnecessary. It's one thing you a dude's coming on a breakaway and you trip him like you had to do it. Yeah. You hit a guy and maybe you get him a little high and you, your hands come up. You get called for roughing. Shit happens. But be in control of your stick. Like, don't trip someone behind the net. 
I, I, I don't see how anyone benefits from this. And after the Tampa game, like, do, do we see a world in which Scott Lawton could potentially see himself in the press box ever? I feel like he needs to. Like, at this point... He got demoted at one point. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it's... If you're doing the accountability thing, and he has been holding guys yeah. accountable this season in a way that I kind of didn't expect with a lot of these guys, at some point you have to look at Lot and say, bud, you're like, you suck right now. So like if we need a spot, if we need to pull out a forward because we're going to go 11-7 again, maybe tonight it's you because you've not been up. very good. Who would they bring up from Lehigh Valley? Well, I mean, you could, I guess, theoretically bring Bobby Brink right back up, yeah. but not even that. All you'd have to really do to bring Lawton out of the lineup, like let's say Tortorella after this game is livid that Lawton still took dumb penalties after he made that the focus of the, the post-Tampa storyline. Mm -hmm. It would be very easy for him to just say, okay, we're going back to 11-7, but instead of sitting D'Lo, we're sitting Lawton. Yeah. Like, that would be a very easy decision to make, and you don't have to make any call-ups at all. You just keep Luxell in the lineup, you keep Deloria in the lineup, and and you uh, you sit Lawton. It could be done. I'm not sure he'll do it, but hey, he sat Atkinson, and Atkinson's his boy. So if, you're, if he's willing to sit Cam Atkinson, I think it kind of implies he's willing to sit anybody. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying I'm not ruling it out because Lawton had the kind of game tonight that would warrant a benching. Like, it, it, it was deserving of a benching. And I am a big Scott Lawton guy. I still think he has um, he has a turnaround in him this season. I'm not expecting him to continue to play this poorly. But he has been ineffective, and he's taking bad penalties when the coach is specifically pointing out that everyone's taking too many bad penalties. Charlie, just, like, real quick. I mean, because you, you watch him day in and day out, right? For Lawton, do you see anything? Because, like, he's still working his ass off out there. Yeah. But it seemed like it's, like, boneheaded mistakes that he's doing there. Like, and he's not old either. Like, do you see anything that it may be the issue? Not really. I, I guess it's theoretically possible that he could be battling some sort of injury. Okay. But, yeah, he's only 29. He turns, oh, yes. he turns 30, I believe, in May. Um, so... It's not like he's young, but you usually don't see 29-year-olds for no apparent reason fall off a cliff. He's not right? in fall off a cliff range. No, he's right. not. Like, he was never going to be 18-goal guy from last year because that was nonsense. Like, yeah, he was playing second line with Kevin Hayes. He was going to score more goals. Yeah, his ice time's but, down this yeah, year. Like, and it was always going. He was be. never going to be that, but he doesn't look like the dude from the two, three years prior that we were like, Okay, he's something. Yeah. Right well, now, he looks like that. Oh, he's a fourth liner who's not that good. That's what he looks like. Yeah. And yeah. I got to believe the previous four or five years of his play is more an indicator of who he is than what I've seen through 50 games or whatever this season. But he looks like shit. And I really, it's annoying on two levels. One, I just like him. And I want to see him play better. And when he plays well, like he's another one of those spark plugs for yeah, this team. Absolutely. He's he's a source of energy and entertainment for me, yeah. quite honestly. And two, we are going to have to litigate last offseason yeah. forever. Yeah. And the idea that they could have, I guess, at the draft, got a first round pick or first round pick plus mm, for him. That was the rumor. And it's like they fucked up. <laughs> I mean, to be quite There's honest, no, if that's true, and this is who he is now, they made a blunder of of blunders, I, and I, I don't want to have to talk about that for the next two years. I don't want to have to talk about it either. But also, I mean, like, even if he picks back up, no, they it, probably should have made that trade. 
before I could refer to it as a survivable mistake, it's like, ah, you could have probably done that. Should have maybe. But culture, okay, cool, I get no, it. Never. Now it's like, oh, we just have another culture guy who's not that good? Uh, I don't I don't see the point of that. No. The, like, the problem why is Why do we too, need the coach if, if we yeah. have to have 19 culture dudes? But, but the problem, too, especially after a game like this, is uh, yes. no one wants to hear about how great the culture is I, when you've lost four straight. I, However, I do believe the Flyers have a strong culture. They have, in my opinion, exceeded expectations and exceeded their true talent level because of how tight they are as a group, because they have strong leaders. And Scott Lawton is one of the big leaders on the team. So... I do think that if we're going to have the opinion that the Flyers are playing above their heads because they are a, you know, better than the sum of their parts type of team, and we're attributing that in general to their positive culture, you do have to credit Scott Lawton for being a driver of that positive culture. That's not to say that he still shouldn't be playing better on the ice, because he should. He's a better player than what he's shown. And I honestly believe if he gets sat, like if they sit him for Saturday's game, it's going to be something similar to the Atkinson's, the, the Atkinson scratching, where John Tortorella essentially talked to Cam Atkinson and said, I have too much respect for you to let you continue to go down this road. I could see it being a similar conversation with Lawton if he decides to go down that road. However, like... I do believe that Lawton is having a positive impact, even if he's playing like crap on the ice, he is having a positive impact in that room. And I think we're all in agreement that the culture is a big reason why this team has exceeded expectations. So I just, I just don't want to, I don't want to dismiss his impact off the ice entirely and say that, well, it was totally stupid that they, that they didn't trade him when I don't know if this Flyers team is as tight as they are. If Scott Lawton isn't on this Flyers team. I'm surprised that this fan base hasn't killed the only guy with what letter on his sweater <laughs> who hasn't been playing as well. But hey. Strip yeah, the A. It's, it's his fault yeah. that they're losing, actually, right? Four-game yeah. losing streak. Yeah. You know what that means? It's actually a bad leader because when you lose, your leaders are bad. That's correct. When you win, your leaders are good. JP, I nice. cannot tell you how much I don't miss the reflexive yell at the captain when I'm angry at the team. Like, I, th this is part of the reason why I hope I they never either. name a captain. Because it is my least favorite narrative around hockey that, like, if I'm mad at my team, just yell at the captain because I can't actually analyze why they're losing. I can only yell at the guy with the letter. I love the fact that that hasn't been a topic of conversation, and I kind of want them never to have a captain so I never have to deal with it ever again while covering this team. It's oh, just Flyers you. fans, right? Like, I, f I don't think it's a hockey thing. I think it's an us no, thing. No, I, I mean... I think everybody does it, but Flyers fans do it more uh, because they have guys like, like Bobby this. Clark yeah. in the history who they think is like, like everyone has to be Bobby Clark. You have one of the, like recognized as one of the great captains ever right. in yeah. Bobby Clark. Yes. And then from Lindros on, the sea has been in flux until Giroux. It's been a curse, honestly. At which point... Yeah. Everyone like half the fan base didn't like Giroux because he wore the C and the team was no good. Right. And obviously those two things are related. Not the fact that they have no defensemen <laughs> and <laughs> maybe a goalie two years of Steve Mason. Uh, no, it oh, was Claude man. Giroux, the best player in the team's fault. But we've done this many times. Um, I guess we'll do three stars later in the show, Charlie. I don't know. Good luck with that one. I, I, I don't think a single flyer will be getting a star. <laughs> Glad three stars is your problem. Uh, but... If I had to say who the best flyer was tonight, oh man, uh, Jesus, uh, no, but on, there was a few times 
a young man with very little NHL experience stood out. We did talk about this, yes. Uli? Is that what we're saying? Let's get it, Charlie. Ula. 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 Ula Lixell. Ula Lixell. Like uh, had a few scoring chances, made a few. I mean, the one gorgeous uh, through the skates move to yeah. get to the net. It's really nice. He had a few scoring chances the other night. I have liked what I have seen out of him. If I had to name a Flyers star of the game, it might be him. Uh, I, I kind of like what I'm seeing. I For I want sure I want to see too. more. Like I want to. He's up. Let's give him some time. I'd rather see him than like Nick Deloria at least. Uh, let's put it that way. No, I I think Luxell because Luxell got a chance last year, and I didn't get the sense he made a particularly positive impression on John Tortorella. And I think that showed by when Lixell got called up for that road trip in early December. Lixell got in one game because Ryan Palin got sick before puck drop, and then he gave him like seven minutes and then didn't play him the rest of the trip. It hinted that John Tortorella does not think especially highly of Lixell. Now, when we asked Tortorella about Lixell after the most recent call-up, and I basically straight up asked Tortorella, like, are you actually going to play him this time? He said what he wants to see from Lixell is for him to take chances offensively. He wants him to show why he's a high scorer in the NHL. He felt like the last time he saw Lixell play for an extended period of time at the NHL level that he believed Lixell just was kind of happy to be there. He wasn't trying to make plays. He was just kind of trying to like not screw up. And Tortorella essentially said, I don't want that guy this time. I want a guy who's trying things. Well, what you saw tonight was a guy who was trying yeah. things. And I think there aren't a lot of positives to come out of this game, but I do suspect that John Tortorella will look at Lixell's play as a positive in that he noticed him. Finally, he noticed Lixell, and that's what he wants to see for him to possibly change his mind on whether he could be part of the future. In a chances. game where almost nothing happened, especially in the Flyers' offensive end of the ice, I remember noticing Lixell a yeah. couple of times. and yeah. He made some plays. Uh, that was, uh, that's more than anyone else. I This is kind of a theme now with dudes who have a preconceived notion of what John Tortorella wants and then him having to, like, convince them that what they think he is he isn't yeah we talked about this with cam york where it was like york is just trying to be steady stay at home guy don't fuck up and the coach is telling him like i need you to take chance i want the dude that we saw in lehigh valley putting up points like we need to see that guy and jamie drysdale comes over and he goes yeah he's a rover man like <laughs> he is we talked about him when he was hired. I think he's a little more progressive than he gets credit for because you hear the sound bites. You know, they show Zegris doing the Michigan, and it's, oh, I miss the physicality of our game. And <laughs> so you have this preconceived notion of who he is. But dudes have to, like, relearn what they think it takes to play for him, I think. And it's maybe Lixell, it's, okay, I will be aggressive, but... I, I, I see this as a theme. Especially for these like, he's rookies. Horrifying. Yeah. They, they're terrified of him. Of course they are. He's John Tortorella. I interviewed him one time on Zoom. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was a terrifying experience. Like, You're a scary man. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hilarious because he's actually very small and like not particularly no, he's like five six. Yeah. Yeah. He's not he's not physically he's imposing. But he's just got that temper. And these players know that I mean, look, they watch what he's done with Kevin Hayes, with Morgan Frost. They know that, hey, if you if you're not one of Torts' guys, that you are gonna get jerked around and they come up and they're probably scared to do something wrong and turn themselves into a guy that's in his doghouse but the irony of it is that 
they as a result they play tight and what get that's what gets you in his doghouse in the first place if you play loose and take chances that's what gets him excited about it. i mean but hell, also block shots but also like, well you gotta do that <laughs> there, there are some non-negotiables to be sure but look at freaking emil andre emil andre played like crap most of the training camp most of preseason and pretty much the entire few weeks he was up and they just kept giving him chances because Tort's like hey he does stuff he might <laughs> mess up a lot but he does he stuff and i like stuff. that yeah. so that was a perfect example and eventually they had to be like all right kid's not ready but andre was a perfect case study of we're gonna give you a lot more rope because you might be messing up but you're trying things and we like that i, I loved um i don't know if you guys saw towards pregame today he was uh, one of the reporters asked him what he's seen around the league and Torch is just like, all the mistakes. I've noticed all the mistakes the young players have been doing lately. And I was like, that's just Torch. Like, everyone's just like, oh, like the skills that everyone's showing, especially from all the young players. He's like, no, just the mistakes that I've been seeing around. I just noticed that. <laughs> he, he's always going to be that guy who's going to turn like, and I hate the way you play. Yeah. Like, he'll <laughs> always be that way. Like, he t- he's just honest, man. Travis Konecki is by far their best offensive player. He's like, I tolerate TK. Yeah. <laughs> he's he, always, he loves TK. He but loves he, him. But he also, like, TK driven, drives him nuts. He's, he's driven nuts by him, yeah. but also, like, we're never going to win a game without this guy. Yeah, so I also love what he brings to the table. Uh, someone who I was interested to see what he would bring to the table bumped up to play with TK and Sean Couturier tonight, at least to start, was Noah Cates. Mm. Uh, He's back on the wing to start the game uh, with the top line. This could just be a combination of trying some things. You've lost three in a row. You don't like the way things are trending. They want more offense out of them, so how do you do that? Well, let's put them with the line that's going to be in the offensive zone, probably, because it's Couturier and TK. Yeah. Um, Eh. Yeah, that didn't last the whole game. Yeah. He was, by the end of the second period, he was off that top line. I really like Noah Cates, but he didn't show much to me tonight. No, uh, I saw maybe one scoring opportunity he had. He, I had think. he had a decent shift, I think, in the third period where he was noticeable. But if it takes you until the third period yeah. to be noticeable when you've been given a prime offensive role for the first time since you've been back, like that's just not going to cut it. Everybody had at least one shot tonight except York, Delorier, and Lawton. Oh, no. I was going to say, and uh, and Cates, but he had one. Never he mind. Have, he had one He did shot. have a shot. A single Every shot. Every forward had more than one, except for Lawton, Deloria, and him. That was that was the stat I was going to go with. Yeah. Uh, but I think that just goes, like, yeah, he, he didn't do much. Well, that's the thing. He was entirely invisible. Yeah. Like, if you hadn't checked the lineup before the game, you might not have noticed that he was playing for, as Charlie said, till the third period, probably. And that's, like... We're kind of used to Noah Cates being one of the guys that you notice on the ice yeah. for a good reason. And tonight he was not great. And I don't know if maybe it's just like he's got to get his game legs back under him or something, but not not good tonight. I was excited to see him on that top line as well, being able to play with such offensive skilled players like that. But yeah, it just gets lost in there. I don't know. Which, I, what do we do at this point with Noah Cates? I think they're just going to keep throwing him out there yeah. Yeah. because I mean, like, they yeah. remember – how good he looked for large portions of last season. They want to get that guy back. And not only do they want to get that guy back, they want him to ultimately build off of that. First, they got to get him back because what we've seen from him this year has not been the guy even from last year. But then they want him to add offense to his game. And I think this was an an opportunity for him to show that he can 
because he's not normally going to play on the top line. This isn't mm-hmm. going to be his right. role long term. This is a, an audition. It's like, yeah. hey, kid, show us what you can do. And he didn't show much. And like I was having a conversation a few weeks ago um, when he was not yet back in the lineup, but he was getting close with uh, with Kevin Kurz, who covers the Flyers now for The Athletic. Kevin obviously didn't watch much of the Flyers last year. And he basically said, it surprises me when I hear all of you writers who did cover the team last year speak very highly of Noah Cates, because what I've seen from him this year is a guy who's making essentially no impact at all. And I was like, Kevin, look, you're right. That's a completely fair assessment solely based on this year. Last year's version was much better. This year's version has been largely invisible. And I think it's reasonable to think that last year's version of Noah Cates is closer to reality than what we've seen this year. You would hope so. I hope so. I do wonder, like you and I, I always say Kyle Calder syndrome. Mm. Like not everyone's going to look like shit. Like last year, the team had no good players except for like kind of Kevin Hayes. Sean Couturier was uh, not here. uh, TK, that's who I'm trying to think of. TK was good. Everyone else sucked. Uh, Hayes put up some points. Tippett had his moments. Tippett had his moments. Hayes put up some points. But like... No one was good. So someone had to score the goal <laughs> like situation. Some, yeah, like yeah. someone was going to look all right. Like, did yeah. he stand out because the bar was so low? Now, like, Maybe. the on-ice results were actually, like, not bad. You know, like, it, the underlying numbers also good. But uh, maybe he stood out to the level he did because the bar was so low. It's, and now we have some good players in the lineup. It's certainly possible that that's, that played a role because yeah, he was playing higher in the lineup than I think even the flyers think he should ideally be in a cup winning lineup or a cup contending lineup. He was functionally for a lot of the season, their first line center. He was getting the tough minutes. Like you're going to rack up some points when you're getting 19, 20 minutes, 18, 19, 20 minutes a night. So I do believe that's part of it. However, I don't think it was all a mirage. Like, his underlying metrics last year were fantastic. He was one of the better play-driving forwards, not just on the Flyers, but in the league, especially if you're talking about defensive play, if you're talking about chance suppression, shot suppression, Mm -hmm. things like that. He was stellar. And in fairness, his underlying numbers this year are are still pretty good. It's just that you got to score sometimes. Like, you got to create some sort of offense. You can't just be a guy who, you know, helps the team control play in the offensive zone. You have to be producing something. And he really hasn't been producing much of anything at all. I just want to hope that it's just him trying to get back into shape from from the injury that he had yeah. earlier. So we'll, you know, hopefully as the season goes on, obviously we talked about the break that's coming up as well. Maybe Cates can finally get his body right and then he can get in the rhythm. That's he is essentially starting the season over. Yeah. Like when yeah. you have seven weeks off and it wasn't that deep into the season that he got hurt, like This is basically the beginning of his season, and he is real far behind a lot of guys. Now, you would hope at least he's fresh. Maybe he'd have some jump and would stand out that way. I don't know if that's been the case to this point, but I I think everyone's just kind of dragging everyone. Like, the whole... We talk about like, oh well, Andrew McDonald is like an anchor around the uh, around the ankle of uh, of Ivan Provorov. It's like there's. There's not even any ankles right now. It's just all anchors. <laughs> like, yeah. That's what we're seeing right now. Uh, let me take a quick second to tell you about Bagels and Company, baby. Uh, that's right. The best Brooklyn-style bagels made right here with Philly Love. You get them at Bagels and Co. with a huge variety, usually 15 to 20 different types to choose from daily, seasonal bagels, uh, sports-themed bagels, just an absolutely incredible selection 
But that's not all. You know, you have these great, big, delicious bagels, all 15 to 20 different varieties. What do you need to go with that? A big selection of cream cheese. Well, they have 30 different varieties available <laughs> available daily as well. I don't know why that made me laugh. Like, I just find it funny. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of varieties. That's a lot of different cream so cheeses, man. Cream uh, they have the sports-themed cream cheeses. They all sorts of different things they have to choose from. Check out their Instagram. Uh, make sure you see what they have available daily. The most important thing, though, because, listen, you can get some good food, hear nice words about a place. Oh, let me check it out. And you're like, oh, hit me in the wall a little bit. No, that is not the case at Bagels and Company. You get a ton of food for very little money. They're an affordable brand. And what's more important than that? Quality and a low price. What else can you ask for? So for the best Brooklyn-style bagels made right here in Philly, head to thebagelsandco.com slash store-locator to find the closest Bagels and Company near you. Uh, speaking of guys who have to score sometimes, just waiting for this Tyson Forster thing to happen. He looked now, good tonight. That first period, I thought he was one of the best flyers on the ice. He made a couple of plays. He looked good in the forecheck, doing typical Tyson Forster things, but also pushing it a little bit offensively. Maybe it just died with the rest of the team. I don't know about this, uh, the second and third, but I just... <laughs> I want so much more out of this guy. I believe in the player. He looks like a really good player. It's just like, where's that mm, Where's that next thing for him? In fairness, no one had that no, next thing No, everyone sucked tonight. Yeah, but, yeah, again, this is rehashing a conversation we had after, I believe, the Tampa game, yeah. where you said, what's it going to take for him to start scoring? And I basically just said time. Yeah. It's going to take time. I don't know if it's going to happen this year. I'm sure he's going to pop in a few more goals here and there. And he might even have like a week stretch in March where he is hot. And you're like, oh, man, that's what Tyson Forrester could be. I just don't think you're going to see the consistency from Tyson Forrester offensively this year. Yeah. And I think they're okay with that because he does all of the other things well. Like his underlying numbers, still amazing. Still grades out as one of the better defensive forwards in hockey this year, to be honest. Like, I believe John Tortorella had an interview with Jason Martinez either today or yesterday and more or less said, like, Tyson is head and shoulders above the other rookies on this team. And it's because Forrester is doing all of the detail things that Tortorella is probably like he there's a reason why they sent Bobby Brink down and it's not just because Bobby Brink wasn't scoring because Tyson Forrester ain't scoring that much either but it's because Bobby Brink doesn't have the handle on the details the same way that Tyson Forrester does I think Tyson Forrester is going to take a leap at some point I just am not expecting it to be this year when like I want Forrester to score and it's like well Brink like the Brink comparison I get but yeah when if you actually pay attention to like Forrester behind the net Forster along the boards in a battle. Like, uh, this dude separates the opponent from the puck yeah. and then finds a teammate with it a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, he's very good at the little things. It's just like... Need those big things, him too. Him and Noah Cates. Like, all right, man, but unless you want to be a shutdown third liner and that's it, you're going to need... You're going to need something else, but we do have time with these guys. It's not as if they're yeah. 26, 27 years old, and I think we have to keep reminding ourselves of that because yeah. they're not finished products. Yeah, Charlie hit a spot on. Unfortunately, with some players, you do have to give them some time, but as we know, he has a shot. and He, he had the most shots for the Flyers forwards here tonight, so just keep taking those shots, and hopefully it does fall in. 
Yeah, I, I actually, I mean, I don't know if we're going to transition to the three stars, but yeah, that's like, I think he is my third star. He's the, hey. he's the one flyer who I thought was consistently impactful in this game, pretty much led them in all, this, all this, the statistical categories. I think Tyson Forrester was good tonight. It, but it kind of goes back to this, where if this version of Tyson Forrester was your best player, you're probably not going to be winning. Yeah. No, and without further ado, let's get to Charlie O'Connor's three stars of the game. Star number three was Tyson Forster. Uh, we just had a decent conversation about him. So let's jump ahead to star number two. Okay, well, just, just as a spoiler, like, there ain't any more flies. No, I can't imagine. <laughs> Charlie, I can't believe they got one. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, I would only have, like, one star tonight, but yeah. go right ahead. Uh, second, <laughs> star number two. Second star, I would say Dylan Larkin. He's been on fire for the Red Wings. He scores their first goal of the game. He just looked like an impactful player pretty much all night. The Red Wings didn't have the puck a lot, but when he had the puck, you took notice because he is a dynamic offensive weapon who is a really good hockey player. And I don't know, Larkin's just the kind of guy where he is probably the catalyst of the Red Wings on the whole. He's obviously an elite skater. He's got serious skill. And this was a game where both teams didn't play very well, but you needed one guy on either of these two teams to step up and be like, yeah, I'm going to be the guy who makes sure we don't lose this game. Ultimately, even if even if you take away the two bounce goals, the Red Wings still win this one nothing. And Dylan Larkin's the one, the guy who got the goal that wasn't a bad bounce goal. So I'm gonna go Dylan Larkin at number two. And that leaves star number one. Star number one, our old pal Alex Lyon. Oh man, what a delightful, delightful player to cover. Truly one of my favorite players I've ever covered since I've been a full time uh, hockey beat writer. Just a great dude. Really, really great guy. He was good tonight. I don't think he was incredible because I don't think the Flyers peppered him with super high quality chances. No, they had like three good chances. But he made the saves he he had to make. He gets a shutout. I'm really happy that Alex Lyon has established himself as an... Like, he was for a long time in his career one of those quad A guys where he was a good AHL goalie. He would come up for a few games when guys would get hurt. He was the third goalie in the organization. Yeah. Now he has very clearly established himself as a guy who is a quality second goalie in an organization, and I'm happy for him. He is right now Detroit's number one. Uh, last uh, injuries and stuff, yeah. uh, and just <laughs> overall piss poor play. Um, but like last year, he saved the Florida Panthers season. And I was happy. Yeah. At the end of the game, I'm rooting for the shutout because, like, no, the Flyers don't deserve a fucking goal. <laughs> also, it's hard not to root for the guy. Like, this is someone yeah. who, years ago, like, when we were discussing what he was going to be potentially, it, I was like, if he's just the Phantoms Neil Little, like, if he's just I this really dude forever, like, good. Like, he's got, a, yeah. he's got a professional career. Good for you, kid. He has worked his way to beyond respectability. I mean, mm-hmm. again, like the Eastern Conference champs last year don't make the playoffs yeah. if not for Alex Lyons stepping the fuck up at the end of the year. That's a really good point. And now, like, Detroit in a playoff spot, and they're getting horrible goaltending. <laughs> like, except for out of Alex Lyon, I'm, I'm happy for the guy. Like, Me too. I, it's... It's not the easy road, you know, when you were just kind of plugging away for a few years, AHL goalie, what are you really, though? And he has worked his way up. It's hard not to root for a guy like that. And I'll always love him because um, he was better than Peter Morozik during that stretch when he the sure Flyers were sure out was. of goalies. Yep. <laughs> and, and the thing is, he's, he's 31 years old. Like, this is a guy who he should be 
He was never a guy who had a prime at the NHL yeah. level. He is theoretically by the aging curve past his prime, yet he's playing the best hockey of his career in his early 30s. I just think it's a cool story. Goalie's a cerebral position anyway. You know, not too much athleticism. No, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, another, I'm, I'm glad we got to talk about him. Like, I wanted to... T- it's always fun to talk about former Flyers because something always happens. Mm, you know, always Shane Gossespierre did not get the goal he got last time against the Flyers, but he was noticeable tonight. Yeah. I, always, I always just like watching Ghost. Like, he's just a fun dude to watch play hockey. He really is. Um, he really is. It's just... I, I only have positive I never, things to, to say I will never get over the fact... That they traded him for literally nothing. Mm. Less than nothing. They paid to get rid of him. They had to give, uh, uh, just like, he's not what we thought, you know, because he was, he broke like Bobby Orr's point record for a rookie. His you rookie know, like season this, was the a real problem. Like, uh, his, what he showed us early, no, he was never that, and he had some injuries. But he is still a damn good player. Really and the good. fact that you got literally nothing, you lost assets to move him. Thank God that time's over. Um, How about yes. him going at it with Garnet Hathaway as well? In the yeah, game? that was, I was that really. That would have been hilarious. Listen, Garnet Hathaway is a mentally insane person. He might be. I was, when, when those two were going at it, I was like, oh, thank God they didn't fight because Hathaway would get cuffed. <laughs> Coast is good at, good at a lot of things. I don't want to see him fight no. Garnet Hathaway. I don't want like, to see him fight anyone. Who's yeah, right. like TKO'd three different guys this year. <laughs> Uh, not a ton of time left. I want to uh, I want to tell you about some of our merch. Yes, we have new merch drops. We sure do. Uh, I didn't even know the other night we brought this stuff up. Uh, they showed us the designs earlier, uh, but I didn't know it was actually available up on the store. Phlylocker.com. You can get your dry guy, the fly guy shirt. I really like these. Uh, so maybe it's because I've always dreamed that the stupid shit I say ends up on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it finally has happened. As it should, I honestly. I said one stupid thing. And like, can we think we can make that a shirt? Put everything and I, like, yeah. and I like these uh, these cartoon looking shirts. They're Kelly, cool. remember growing up, the um, there were a couple different Legion of Doom cartoon shirts. Yes. They were like, everyone had them. This is what these remind me of. Yeah, the, they're cool. Uh, just like, uh, I think they're cool. Uh, I, like I, the I, I was told there. by our design master at All City to that last one, the one with the uh, the guy with lacking lacking teeth and having a black eye, that there is a reason why his hair is red. Pretend it's Charlie. Pretend uh, it's Charlie. Hey. <laughs> I thought it was over the but this whole time. I was going to say, every player is a judge, Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Do we have anything else we want to get into tonight? Oh, no. All right. And that (laughs) is all the time we have for you on PHLY Flyers, presented by Mortgage CS. Check out mortgagecs.com slash PHLY to start your home buying process today. Company NMLS ID number 1464766. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Make sure you're following us right here on the YouTube page. Set your reminders so you never miss a live show. Uh, PHLY Flyers is the podcast. You know where to find those. PHLY underscore Flyers on Twitter. I think that's everything. All right. For JP, for Kelly, for Charlie, I'm Bill Matz. See you next time, Flyers fans. I have not.